Our text today for our sunrise service is Matthew chapter number 28 for our text. We will also be looking at Genesis, Genesis chapter number 2 for our text too. Matthew 28, let's bow our heads for a little prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this day of celebrating the resurrection of our Savior. What a great day it was. What an amazing day. <clears throat> we ask now that you'll help us as we gather in here to think about it and to lift our spirits, send us soaring up high and praising God. Thank you for these folks that are gathered here today and that we can come at this time and sing about you and worship you and talk about you. Fill us up with your presence, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The reason we have a sunrise service is because early on Easter morning, the Bible says before it was light, um, the ladies left the houses where they were to go to the tomb of Christ. We've always celebrated that anxious early feeling to get to it. They, of course, didn't know what they were going to find. When I was young, we had real sunrise services that as they were outside. And uh, before dark, we went tripping through fields. <laughs> and if you know Sour Springs Road over here, and we went to the top of the big hill on Sour Springs Road and waited for the sun to rise. And we sang songs out on top of the hill there uh, when the sun came up. But it didn't happen many times, as I recall, because people were too lazy to get up that early. So we made it 7 o'clock here for you, because we know you're not too lazy to get up, right? Amen. I'm glad somebody said, yeah, yeah, that's us. <laughs> All right. Matthew 28 will be focus of our thoughts today. There are places that I love to visit. Uh, not for recreation or for sightseeing, and not even to visit friends or relatives. I visit these places for a much more noble reason and a more honorable reason. When I'm in Connecticut, where I came from, <clears throat> I drive up to the very top of the mountain, a place called Ellsworth. And right on the top of the mountain is a very quiet place up there, Ellsworth Cemetery. I always make two special stops. And one of the gravestones that I stop at says Ulavina and Tor Olson. Those are my grandparents. I always stop there. And about 30 yards straight off down the line, there's another grave that I always stop at. It says Addison Prindle. That was my Uncle Ad's grave. And every time I'm there, I always think of that old song when I stand over Uncle Ad's grave. And some of you might recognize it. it goes like this. And if you come... 
when all the leaves are falling and I am dead as dead I well might be, you'll come and find the place where I am lying and kneel and say a morning prayer for me. And I will hear those soft you tread above me and all my dreams will fairer or sweeter be if you'll not fail to tell me that you love me. As I stand there by his grave, I think of him in loving and fond remembrance. Of course, much closer to here is our cemetery, right over there, the next road. Sometimes I go there and stand by my mother and father's grave, and I remember, think back, and now my sister Linda lies next to them. And I always say, Linda, Linda, you died so young. Today, I want to take you to another grave. It's the grave of someone that I love. It's a beautiful spot. It's private and quiet, the way grave sides were meant to be. You can see it's been carefully tended to. There are trees and flowers and shrubs all around it and green grass. And there are rock outcroppings that jut up out of the ground, making the place private and secluded. And on one of those rock faces, you can see that a tremendous labor of love has taken place. Very skilled craftsmen have done an amazing job. Stone carvers with nothing but a hammer and a chisel have carved into the side of a hill a grave site. It's a tomb. The door is about four feet tall with a three or four foot tunnel. And as you crawl into the grave, it opens up into a large room where several people can all stand together. And on the back wall of that tomb is a stone ledge carved into the stone, which is made for the placement of the body. The reason I want to take you there in particular is because someone else has recommended to us that we should take a good look at this garden tomb. Matthew 28, and I start reading at verse number 5. The angel answered and said to the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. The angel invites, come, I want you to look at the place where the Lord has lain. Now if we had come earlier in the day, we would have seen a most unusual sight. There, when it was still dark, just barely any light, just as the night was beginning to fade away, you would have seen four soldiers standing guard over this grave. 
And you would also see ropes tied over the stone door. Not meant to hold it in place. The weight of the stone was enough to hold it right where it stood. But if you look closely, you would see wax seals over the ropes placed there to show if the grave door had been tampered with. It's really an odd sight. Four soldiers guarding a dead man's tomb and rope seals to show that this grave was not meant to be opened, not ever. But when we arrive at the grave, the ropes are strewn all over the ground, the wax seal is tossed aside, the soldiers are gone, and the door of the tomb, a giant round rock, is pushed aside. The warning that those soldiers were reinforcing was, don't you dare touch this grave. It has obviously been ignored. Somebody literally tore the place apart. Now verse 2 of 28. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. The ancient prophet wrote about man's attempt, man's feeble attempt, to control God. <laughs> and he put it this way. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. There is no government rule, no law, no amount of warning that can stop the plans of God. It's all done by one angel. Granted, he is fierce and powerful enough to move a rock that weighs a ton, but he's still only one angel. And it is his invitation that we accept today to come and see the place where the Lord lay. Outside the tomb, carved into rock, are words in memory of Joseph of Arimathea to honor his name. Although Joseph lived in a city far off, named Arimathea, like many noble Jews, it was his earnest desire to be buried in the city of the great king, Jerusalem, the holy city. And so at great expense, he purchased this little plot of ground and had it prepared for his own burial. But on Friday afternoon, he decided to use it for someone else. His master, Jesus of Nazareth, who didn't own even a place to lay his head, had been cruelly crucified just over near the main highway on a hill called Golgotha. And to honor Jesus after he died, he gave his grave to Jesus. But it seems it was just alone. For Jesus used it for one afternoon 
and one full day and one morning, and then he abandoned it. <laughs> Later on, when more women came to the grave looking for Jesus, two more angels asked them a question, Why are you looking for Jesus here? You don't search for a live person inside of a grave, do you? <laughs> and so, first of all, we see that the grave is only borrowed. Now, as we enter the tomb, you can see it must have been a great expense to Joseph. Taking months to carve... Yet he willingly gave it away with no hope of using it for himself. 500 years before this, Isaiah the prophet had prophesied that Jesus would make his grave with the rich. And all of Joseph's prior plans gives way to that ancient prophecy. I'll bet he learned it later on. Now, grave sites can be places where corruption is very real. I recall once I did a graveside service for a man. He had died in the middle of the winter, and his casket was stored in a building until spring when the ground thawed. So we were there early, and as we prepared the casket to be lowered into the ground, suddenly you could smell the decayed body right through the casket, and it was a horrible stench. Now when the family arrived, we had a plan. I had them stand in a place downwind from the grave so they wouldn't smell the decaying corpse. They didn't know what I was doing. I tried to make it pleasant for them because the smell of corruption is a horrible stench. But as we go into this tomb, there's a very fragrant aroma filling the tomb. The spices that were used to anoint his body would have been wrapped in cloth sacks and then laid next to the body, neatly folded now, lying on the ledge are those sacks. And you can smell the sweet aroma, a pleasant smell. It was promised a thousand years before that the Lord would never allow his son to see corruption. So there is no stench in this tomb. Only sweet aroma. The aroma of life. It's clear that no one else has ever been laid in this grave. It's brand new. God had a very specific purpose. Only one person ever laid in this grave means only one person ever arose 
from this grave. There can be no other person. Jesus was the only one to ever lay on that stone slab. You recall in the Bible it tells of a story that happened long ago. Elisha the prophet died and he was buried in a tomb. And one day another person was quickly buried in Elisha's tomb. And when the newly buried man rolled into the tomb and touched Elisha's bones, he came back to life. But my friends, there is no formerly buried prophet in this tomb. There are no bones to touch. Jesus arose of his own power and he needed no assistance. Now recall with me that Jesus laid in a borrowed grave. He had died on the cross because of sin. And we know that Jesus took our sins on himself on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin, all of our sins. And so the sin he carried, like the tomb he laid in, was borrowed. He borrowed your sin. He borrowed mine. He had none of his own. He died for borrowed sins and he laid in a borrowed tomb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, so much. Now, the Bible says this that the wages of sin is death. It describes sin as something that earns a wage. Therefore, sin causes debt to accrue. We all know about debt now because we're familiar with our government, don't we? We know about debt and how it accrues. We owed on that debt and we would have had to pay it ourselves. And that payment for that debt was to die forever. But notice, when you go in the tomb, the stone shelf is empty. The body of Jesus is not there. He died on the cross to pay the debt we accrued. And if the debt was so high, so monumental, that it could not be paid, then Jesus' body would still be lying on that stone slab. Go ahead, rub your hand over that stone slab. It is smooth and clean and empty. It stands as proof positive that the debt was fully paid to the last cent. Because of Jesus, we are debt free. Hallelujah, what a Savior. What a precious Redeemer we have who borrowed our sins and then paid our debt. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Now, it was originally in a garden, a beautiful garden, full of fruit trees, tended by an expert gardener. 
in a garden called Eden where Adam and Eve were told something by God. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God said that in the garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were lied to by Satan. And in rebellion to God's instructions, they ate of the forbidden fruit. And so it was just like God said, the day you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. So it seems to me proper that Jesus rose from the dead in a garden, in a beautiful garden, And he came from the tomb with a new message, a new law, and a new instruction. Because I live, you shall live also. Amen. So my friends, that old angel was right. It was good to come and see the place where the Lord lay. To visit the grave of Jesus. When I go to my family's graves, I am never sad They were dear to me. Grandma Ulavina, Mom and Dad. They died too young, Sister Linda. They were the best I ever knew, Uncle Ed. But I can never be sad. Because Jesus' grave is empty. And so the debt is paid. And someday up in heaven... There's one more garden that we're going to visit. He showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, there shall be no night there they shall need no candle neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth him light and they shall reign forever and ever I can never be sad at my parents and my sisters my uncle's grave we will be together again mom and dad we will be together again grandma and grandpa and uncle Ed and sister Linda never to be parted again we shall join together in a beautiful garden And it was all because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful in our hearts for the blessing you give us, for knowing that we have such confidence in you. Thank you for that garden where you came out of that tomb. And for the one that we shall share again together. We are thankful in our hearts that we can have a confidence. Knowing that we shall be reunited again. Because Jesus came from his grave saying because I live you shall live also.
Lord, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts with the deepest admiration and praise. We say thank you for what you did for rising from the dead on that wonderful day. Bless these folks because they have been here with us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn in your hymn books with me, if you will. Page number 498. Closing, standing as we sing. 498. He lives. Page 498. so grateful that that angel was there that morning to roll the stone away that we would see that he is not here but he is risen we are thankful for what that means that that grave was empty that morning that it means that we have that chance and that opportunity to be forgiven all we need to do is ask and our sins will be washed away it will be as white as the snow because you are longing for us to do that We thank you so much for what you have done for us. We thank you for that great sacrifice. We thank you that you were worthy. 
And you were that lamb that died for our sins in our place. We pray that our hearts would be ready to receive that. Help us not to be dull of hearing and, and dim in our heart today, but to be open to see what you are doing and what wonderful things you have done and that you are still doing. Let us look forward to the day when we may be together as those that are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you so much for these things. We ask for protection and care on all these folks. Watch over them all, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed.